Welcome back to my watery grave, where we examine the truly horrific and mysterious stories from across the globe at the fine midnight hour. Let me pose a question to the audience tonight. If you could have anything you've ever wanted, you could wish for anything at all, what would you be willing to endure to get it? What would you give up? Most people don't think about the consequences. Sometimes that's the most important part. Tales of people magically coming into extreme wealth and power, only to meet horrific fates soon after, were running rampant in Turkey. And the final report was in Antalya. Usually it wouldn't be that strange to have someone wealthy losing money in a tourist-heavy city like Antalya. But this one was different. It was a little too outlandish for me to believe was just bad luck or misfortune. A local man was found to be the descendant of a powerful sultan, and found his hidden wealth. It was already sounding a little far-fetched, but that wouldn't have been worth investigating. But the fate of the poor sucker faced gave it a little more credibility. They found his body in his home. It was halfway decomposed, and when I say half, I mean half. From the pelvis down was entirely bone, well only with small scraps of flesh clinging to it. The top half was almost entirely intact. My theory suggests he was immobilized and left to rot, sitting alone in his apartment. That home was covered with many books and transcripts from ancient rulers and mystical things surrounding them, though. He might have had the wealth, but he obviously was obsessed with something else, and it might have led to his downfall. That was the most recent victim. A similar fate has come over multiple others, but I feel inclined to try and keep that final victim as the last death. As I approached the Old Town Marina Thursday morning, I could see the tall white apartment buildings lining the coast's cliffside to the west, while the east lies older, red clay-roofed homes and shops. I knew that I was probably going to find more information on the source of these peculiarities from some locals rather than just some tourists. The Red Roof District seemed like the best place to start the search. I disembarked and went east. Narrow pathways twist and turn throughout the city. Small shops open with textiles and jewelry. The smell of food being made both in restaurants and houses provides savory additions to the search. There weren't many people outside, which made it more difficult to investigate. Luckily for me, it wasn't much time before I came across an antique shop. I would have walked right past it if it wasn't for the stand of vases in the doorway. I stood in the alley for a few minutes, looking at the pottery and what I could see inside the shop. I just thought that this was too easy. It seemed like there was no way I was going to stumble upon the location, but I had that feeling. It brought a weird chill through my spine. I stepped inside the dimly lit shop. 
even if it wasn't the place, it would be a decent start. I was greeted by an older man behind the counter. He welcomed me and said if I needed anything to just ask him. It seemed all normal enough. There were the average wares and items, but there was an unnerving attraction to one corner of the small shop. I made my way through the store, heading directly towards the pole. I examined the items on the far table. There were older jewels and pearls, an intricately designed tapestry, an end table and some old books stacked on each other, and a beautifully polished bronze lamp. There was no way it was this easy. I grabbed the lamp and looked at it under the warm yellow light. It glistened off its orange surface. Magnificent what man can create with their hands. But this wasn't it. The pole grew more and more, but not with the lamp. It was coming from the pile of books. What specific book I didn't know, but I was about to find out. Sorting through the stack, there was one book that looked worn, but not dirty. It had an energy to it. I think I found it. I walked up to the front of the store, and when I set it down on the counter, without even looking, the owner read the title. A Mind at Peace by Ahmed Hamdi Tanapar. And he said the book is anything but, with a chuckle. I asked him what he meant by that, and he explained that the book is full of characters in disarray, their lives forever scarred and damaged by what has happened in it. He continued saying that you can learn a lot about what you care about reading this book. After he said that, I was sold. I bought the book and exited the shop. I didn't necessarily want to wake the genie when I was in my boat, so I decided to head to a more desolate place. I walked down the road until I found a place to rent the car, and drove north for about 45 minutes. I took some off-roads where it seemed like no one would be for a while. I got out of the car, and opened the book. I tried to read some of it, but I couldn't even finish the page. The book was vibrating almost uncontrollably. I tossed it onto the ground in front of me and out of the book came a rush of wind and fire, completely incinerating the story. Before I knew it, there was a person standing in front of me, and the dust had settled. We stood quiet for a while, just staring at each other before he spoke. Yes, what I wanted. He was bound to fulfill my wishes. He was straightforward, so that was nice, I guess. But I told him I'm not here for that. I explained that he needed to stop messing with these people and move on. I'm not okay with this paranormal havoc. He just laughed and said if only it were that easy. He explained that he doesn't want to be here either. He's been summoned by a sorcerer and therefore can only be freed by him. I continued that I'll free him from his enslavement if he leaves. He agreed and I told him to get in the car. As we were driving down the road, I thought to myself that I'm now teamed up with a genie to fight a sorcerer. It was certainly an interesting Thursday afternoon.
As we drove down the road, I introduced myself and asked what his name was. His response was interesting and led to the majority of what we talked about the rest of the trip. He told me that he can't remember what his original name was. He was born so many centuries ago and has changed his name to match each one. He said I could call him Demir. I asked how he ended up becoming imprisoned. He started by saying that he's been a slave to humans for over a thousand years. He said that he was found during the Crusades and bound to a sword used to help any person become the victor. As he traveled through hands, he was ultimately infused with other objects, but most recently have been books. They're cheap and accessible, and everyone can be sold on a book that changed your life, he said quite ironically. That last sentence really caught my attention. I asked if it was the store owner that was his ruler now. He nodded and said that bastard's time has come. I agreed. No room for slaveholders in this planet. I asked him what he would do when he was free. Demir thought for a long time, just staring out the window at the arid landscape passing by. He turned and looked back at me, saying he'd drink a beer on the beach and watch the sunset, before laughing hysterically. I only responded I hope he enjoyed his freedom. We were approaching the car return before I asked if there was anything I needed to know about the sorcerer. He looked at me and asked if I saw that shriveled old man. What would I be worried about? I told him I didn't know if he had any powers or anything like that and he just laughed even harder. We walked up the street and continued to joke about how he had powers to break his hip and complain about sales. I don't think it'll be that hard to convince this old man to give up Demir. We were a couple shops down from the store when I told him to wait outside for a little bit. He didn't seem too enthused about waiting out on some of the action, but I was honestly hoping to not be as violent as France's trip. I'm still recovering a little. I walked inside and was welcomed yet again by the old man's smile, and the dim light mirroring the darkness slowly approaching the city. He recognized me and asked if I had any issues with the book. Kinda nervously, I'll put. I approached the counter and told him the book was fine. Just wanted to stop by the shop and ask some questions. The old man shuffled uncomfortably back and forth on his feet. He responded, he'd be happy to answer. I smiled and proceeded. How long you been here, I asked him. And he began to explain how he'd only been in the city for a few weeks, but he'd been selling antiques his whole life. I feigned interest and asked where he used to have a shop. He told me he came from Izmir. The same place from one of the reported incidents, I thought to myself. I think I got the right guy. He continued to explain he prefers the climate here. I asked how lucrative it was, selling what he does, intentionally leaving it vague. There was a silence until I called for Demir to come inside. Once the genie walked inside, the man could tell it was over. 
He backed away and demanded to know what I was doing. I told him he had a choice, to either set Demir free or lose more than a slave. He told me I could have had anything I've ever wanted, and instead I chose to waste it freeing him. I explained that even if I was dumb enough not to know it would destroy me, it's more important to set him free. The man kept backing up, but before he could try and weasel his way out, Demir and I were climbing over the counter to seal his fate. The fight didn't last long. The old man couldn't really put up much of a fight against the two of us. Demir's hate took over, and kept him hitting long after there was no more movement. When you're taking your freedom back, I can't really blame him for the intensity. He stopped kicking the lifeless body, getting short of breath. He sat down on the floor, against the wall. Freedom is tiring, he eventually said, chuckling to himself. I helped him to his feet. He bent over and grabbed the owner's wallet, tossing it to me. He said he got dibs on the cash register. I don't know how I feel about murdering a man for money, but I gotta eat too. Also, it's not like the owner could use it anymore, and it's not like he even deserves it. We climbed back over the counter and we walked out of the shop. I closed the door on the way out. Figured it would be nice to have a head start before the police found out about the death. I turned to Demir and told him I'm glad he's free now, but I don't want to hear from him again. No magic. He nodded and just remarked, cold beer on the beach as he walked away. And just like that, another case was solved. It was much more straightforward than most, but sometimes that's nice to not have to fight as hard. I walked down the winding walkways to the marina. There's a cool breeze drifting in from the ocean as darkness fills the sky. I left the marina, traveling into the night, ready to explore new lands and seas. I was excited to feel its gentle rocking again. I'm sailing south towards Egypt and down to the Indian Ocean. I don't have a set destination, but I'll find something to occupy my time. Maybe just some time at sea would be nice. That's the best thing about this job. Food gets old, and it's not an easy life, but I help people wherever I go. I left the marina, traveling into the night, ready to explore new lands and seas. I'll leave it there. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Stay vigilant. There are dark forces among us.